Earlier that afternoon, things began to heat up. First, all our units got a dispatch over the radios that we had an active 10-100 at the Republican National Committee nearby. A 10-100 is police code for a suspicious package, such as a potential bomb. The package did turn out to be a pipe bomb that was later safely detonated. That dispatch got my attention, and I started to get more concerned, especially because the crowds on the east front of the Capitol were continuing to grow. Around the same time, I started receiving reports on the radio about large crowd movements around the Capitol coming from the direction of the ellipse to both the west and east fronts of the Capitol. By then, Trump had finished his speech and had riled up his followers and sent them towards us. He filled them with some more lies about how Vice President Mike Pence had the ability to overturn the election. But the only way that can happen is if Mike Pence agrees to send it back, Trump told them. Mike Pence has to agree to send it back. In response, the crowds chanted, send it back, send it back. In the same speech, he told them their unlawful act of trying to overturn an election was actually legal and sanctioned by the Constitution. And think of what you're doing, he said. Let's say you don't do it. Somebody says, well, we have to obey the Constitution. And you are because you're protecting our country and you're protecting the Constitution. So you are. Later, he gave them their send-off. We fight like hell. And if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore, he said. The crowd chanted, fight for Trump, fight for Trump, fight for Trump. So we're going to, we're going to walk down Pennsylvania Avenue and we're going to the Capitol. Trump finished his speech just after one o'clock that afternoon. But by 1230, the crowd size began to surge. Then I heard urgent radio calls for additional officers to respond to the west side of the Capitol. You could hear the desperation in the voice on our police radio. Demonstrators have breached the fence, the voice said. Now it was obvious that there was an active threat to the Capitol. I strapped on a steel chest plate for protection and grabbed my M4 to answer the request for help on the west side of the Capitol. I scrambled down the long flight of marble steps that led to my post. I grabbed two cases of water from a nearby post. Based on the radio traffic, I knew officers would need it. I just didn't know how badly. I passed the north end of the Capitol on my way to the west side. Nothing there. When I got to the west side, I immediately saw the scaffolding for Joe Biden's presidential inauguration. It had already been set up for the ceremony, which was scheduled to be in that space exactly two weeks from that day. I looked down below, to my right, and I was stunned. What I saw was like a scene from a gladiator movie in what seemed like a sea of people. Capitol Police officers and Metropolitan D.C. Police MPD officers were fighting desperately, hand-to-hand with rioters across the West Lawn. Until then, I had never seen anyone physically assault a Capitol Police officer or an MPD officer, let alone witness mass assaults against law enforcement officers. I could see rioters hitting officers with flagpoles, sticks, and metal bike racks they had torn apart. They were throwing batteries, canned food, anything they could to hurt officers. You could hear the screaming and hollering as the battle raged on. Blood was streaming down officers' faces. They were yelling, grunting, and trying to force the rioters back 